Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The day my daughter Pearl lost her innocence, she said to me, it was very dark with a lot of hand-held cameras. Pearl was 13. I think they were undercover, revealing the terrible truth, she said. I was hoping she would never find out this terrible truth, but once she started college, what could I do? She watched the anti-vivisection documentary at her first animal rights club meeting, sounded more like a snuff movie, but with animals. Pearl became an immediate vegetarian and refused to eat eggs, unless they were from our own free-range flock. So, at great expense, probably a 20-year supply of free-range organic eggs from Common Sense Organics, Pearl and her dad, Sonny, built a hen house. I rang Pearl from work to see how our hen, Frida, was after she'd been attacked by Bertie, the neighbour's dog. She's wrapped in a towel. Pearl sounded like she was crying. You'll have to accept that she'll probably die, I said. She accused me of making everything worse, as if just saying she'll probably die would make her die. That was so typical of Pearl. When I got home, we headed down to the backyard to see the hole in the fence. It wasn't a big hole, but large enough for Bertie, the stupid, ugly mutt to squeeze himself through. Pearl had put our hen Frida on a blanket in the washing basket with a towel draped over her. Frida looked sad, but regal. I lifted the towel and looked under her wing and through her feathers. She had dirt caked into her chicken skin. I didn't want to pick her up in case she fell apart. My friend Mia was coming for dinner before she moved to Auckland. She arrived at the door at the same time as my apologetic neighbour Sharon, the dog's owner. Sharon's overall demeanour was quite distracting. She was stooped and nicotine yellow around the edges. This contrasted acutely with Mia's unusually high standard of grooming. I ushered them both into the hall. Mia busied herself unpacking bits and pieces from her flat that she was donating to us, a bar of soap, half a bottle of detergent, an open box of tissues, and various other jars and lotions. She laid them out on the console table. Sharon gripped me with both hands. Oh, Bertie's very sorry. You should see him. He's walking around with his tail between his legs. He knows he's done something wrong. Mia loudly cleared her throat. Sharon gripped me even harder, shaking me as she talked. When I caught him with that chicken, I said, drop, and he did straight away. He won't do it again, he promises. I gave him a really good talking to. Sharon let go, so she could wipe the tears from her eyes with her index finger. Oh, Sharon, don't blame yourself, it's not your fault. I gave her a big hug. Can you pass me one of those tissues? 
Sharon said to Mia with her head still resting on my shoulder. Mia carefully extracted a single tissue from the box and handed it to Sharon. God bless you, Maria, Sharon said, trying to blow her nose on the single sheet. It's Mia? No, Sharon. No, I'm Mia, not Maria. Oh, sorry, I'm Sharon. Yep, I've locked that in, Sharon. Mia rolled her eyes. I watched Sharon lumber away towards our gate. She turned back and gave me a tearful wave and mouthed another, Sorry. Are you crying? Mia said, looking at me suspiciously. No, I said. Well, just a little bit. I made Mia's favourite dinner, Thai chicken curry, with a separate tofu version for Pearl. I told the family about Sharon saying Bertie would never do it again. She said she'd given Bertie a good talking to. How ridiculous, I said. She has no control over that dog. We hear the lectures she gives him on and on as if he's a human, my daughter Emmy said. Bertie's bad behaviour never improves, even after the lectures, I said. He's a barker and a biter, Sonny said. She's such a faker, acting all sorry, I said. Don't you like her? Mia said. Mum can't stand her, Pearl said. Mia stared at me with her eyes steely. But you acted so nice to her. I felt defensive, even though I was reading Pema Children and learning not to respond from my ego. There's nothing wrong with being nice. It's not a crime. You even hugged her and started crying yourself. That's because I'm not a sociopath, Mia. I can experience the feelings of other people. Mum's nice to everyone, Emmy said. Mia looked upset. <laughs> She's not always very nice to me, Pearl laughed. That's because you're her friend. Emmy sighed a deep, sad sigh and said, I thought I didn't really like the hens, but... I realise I do. It's only a matter of time before this happened, Sonny said. Pearl said, and cried while she was saying it, it was Sharon's responsibility to keep a dog out of our property. You know what the solution is? Mia said. Everyone stopped chewing. You get rid of the hens. No one spoke. Mia turned to me and shook her head. They make you so miserable. Ever since you've had those hens, you've been so miserable. <laughs> there was a chorus of, no, she hasn't, and alarmed faces. But I knew what she meant. There was something wrong with my relationship with the hens. Sure, they were Pearl's hens, but as soon as they arrived, I took over as chief concerned person, becoming hyper-empathetic and worried. Mia was there the day I found Maisie. I couldn't see her in the yard. I lifted the lid of the laying box, and there she was, dead. Her head slumped over the side. Her little face and her little beak and her little eyes were blank and dead. She looked so alone. She died, alone. I howled. A guttural, loud, cow-like moan. I ran back to the house. It took me a while to compose myself before I could even tell Mia what I'd seen. 
I'd allowed the hens way too much freedom. So much freedom, they now slept in the trees. When it was wet and windy, which was pretty much all the time in Wellington, I couldn't sleep worrying about them. And I could never find their eggs. Sometimes I dreamed of finding a clutch of eggs in a magical hidden spot. A woman at work said she was selling free-range eggs, and when I asked her about their living conditions, she said she had a lovely hen house with a movable chicken wire tunnel in the backyard. I said, a little bit too loudly, so they're not free-range then, they're actually caged hens. When I think about Blondie, I still cry. She was our first hen, along with Winnie. Winnie was too old to lay. When my sister-in-law was visiting, she offered to wring Winnie's neck. Her childhood was crammed with cooped hens, vats of sauerkraut and homemade sausages. She tells a story about taking a boyfriend home to meet her parents. Her mum asked her to kill the family cat because it was old and sick. She nipped out while her boyfriend was drinking his cup of tea and drowned the cat in a sack. She never saw her boyfriend again. She found this quite perplexing. I didn't let my sister-in-law wring Winnie's vulnerable little neck. We had to get rid of Blondie because of her screaming. She was fine when we first got her, but being a bantam, she just wanted to have babies. So we let her sit on six large hen's eggs and three hatched. Pearl stayed home from school and watched them emerge out of their shells. They were all males, beautiful yellow balls of boy joy. Blondie was a proud but indulgent mother. She let her boys grow and yahoo about the place. All three began crowing long, loud, pre-dawn cockcrows that reverberated around the housed valley. These teenage rooster kids had to go. But when they went, Blondie changed. She was permanently noisy, talking constantly to herself in an operatic way, wringing her hands, chatting and singing to inanimate objects. Sunny found a new home on the Chicken Rescue website. One Saturday morning we put Blondie in the cat cage and drove her over to the Wairarapa. Sunny reassured me that they sounded like nice people. We arrived at their modern home, newly plonked on a piece of scrubby farmland, with double garaging and a few frightened-looking stunted native trees hugging the clay. Sunny parked the car at the top of the drive and a big dog bounded out of the house, chased by a woman in pink yoga pants and a matching pink tank top. Ebony, come here. Ebony took no notice and jumped up at the car window. I could see her white teeth as she grimaced at me, her head pressed against the glass. It's like being in a safari park, I said to Sunny. With a pink panther, Sunny said. The woman in pink indicated for us to stay in the car. She grabbed Ebony by the collar and marched her inside. She pushed the dog in by the rump and shut the door quickly. My husband is away, she said, as she led us down a long, windy path to the coop. Well, she said it was a coop, but it turned out to be a fenced-off area with no green grass and a strip of corrugated iron like a homeless shelter or a slum. There, on the bare earth, stood a gang of three spiteful-looking blue Orpingtons with mean eyes and haughty expressions. Sunny put down the cat cage and the pink woman leaned down, pink bum up and under the latch. 
Blondie looked up at me with confused innocence. Isn't it a bit too soon to let her out? I said. Oh, she'll be fine. She tipped the cage up and Blondie fell out. The three horrible Orpingtons puffed out their chests and launched themselves at Blondie. They attacked her, pecked her, chased her violently. She ran around screaming the most terrible scream of anguish and tried scaling the fence. Then, crouching low, she tried squashing herself into a corner, but they surrounded her. It was terrible to witness. I burst into tears. Pinky looked shocked. Oh, don't worry, she'll be fine, she said. I'll give them some cream cheese later. They love cream cheese. I wish I'd scooped Blondie up and brought her back home. We drove off and I sobbed and wailed more than I ever had for a human. I cried so much, Sunny had to stop the car so I could be sick in the grass on the side of the road. I couldn't sleep. So I went down to the laundry to sit with Frida. She looked like she was about to die, making funny little gasping sounds. But when the other hens woke up and crowded around the laundry door to investigate, Frida came to life and ran off to join them to eat the rest of the rice crackles I'd made for afternoon tea. She looked a little ruffled, like she'd just woken up from an afternoon nap after a hard night on the town, but otherwise she seemed good. Before I left for work, I decided to pop over to Sharon's to tell her all was well in Chickenland. Oh, I'm so relieved. Did you hear that, Bertie? Bertie looked at me from between Sharon's legs. The whites of his eyes made him look guilty, but sorry. In that moment, I forgave him. I valiantly kept up this forgiveness, even after Pearl rang me at work to say Frida was dead on the lawn. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.